Morning, church. How are you doing today? Anyone excited about summer? That's incredibly impressive. Uh, how many children are excited about summer? A, a number. Any, any kids wish you were still in school? A, a couple. <laughs> a couple. Well, listen, I, I wish that you could stay, but you can't. And so I am going to dismiss our children to CP Kids at this time. Shoo, shoo, go learn, go learn. Come back in 45 minutes. Let's thank our CP team in the back. Well, yes, yes. Lovely. Go away. Okay. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Well, we are, if you notice, we are pausing our series, Walking Through the Gospel of John. We've been walking through John for a number of months. Uh, we are through John chapter 6. Uh, we are going to take a four-week break and walk through a new series, and then we're going to hop back in in July. And who remembers when the series is going to end? 2030. That's right, 2030. And so we're going to walk through the Gospel of John slowly but surely, but occasionally along the way. We're just going to hit pause. And, uh, and this is one of those months where we're going to uh, take a pause and we're going to stop and think about kind of why we exist as a church, our purpose to point people to Jesus, and then how we move toward that as a church body. So we say at Christ Point that we exist to point people to Jesus. That sounds very churchy. Who would disagree? Maybe you're wondering how exactly do you do that? I'm glad that you asked. We have four core E statements. It helps to, to remember them. I don't know if we remember them, but there are four core E statements. The first one is encountering the life-transforming power of uh, the Word of God. The second one is experiencing authentic uh, community. The third is establishing a culture of joyful service. And then the fourth is engaging all people. We are going to attempt to do all four of those, at least in some way, this morning. Uh, we are encountering the life-transforming power of the Word of God. Russ just read from God's Word. I'm going to walk through this passage this morning. We're going to come up under the Word and ask the Lord to teach us by His Spirit uh, to form and shape us. If there's things in our life that we need to chisel away at, we want God's Spirit to do that. If there are things that God wants us to feel as the people of God. We want to ask God to help us uh, feel those things. If God wants to change the way that we think about Him or this world that He created, uh, we want the Lord to do that. We want to encounter the life-transforming power of the Word of God. We want to experience authentic community. We're going to talk about what does that look like today, but believe it or not, uh, you coming today is actually pursuing experiencing authentic community. We want to establish a culture of joyful service. At the end of our service this morning, Billy's going to come up. He's going to interview one of our ministry partners. He's going to talk about practical ways that we as a church body uh, are engaging the world around us, both locally uh, and globally. I forgot to talk about establishing a culture of joyful service. At the end of the service, there's some high-top tables in the back some ministry leaders are going to be at those tables. If you're interested in finding out more about some of the ministries 
here at Christ Point, or even if you just want to meet some of our leaders and say, hey, I give thanks to God for you, uh, you can go in the back at the end of the service to do that. But um, those four things, that's how we pursue uh, Jesus together as a church body. And so this morning, I want to focus specifically on the idea of experiencing authentic community. Now, I have to tell you, uh, full disclosure, there are times when I hear the word experience and I have a bit of a check. Because sometimes when you think about an experience, I think about like going to a concert. I go to a concert, you know, someone from, you know, my day and age, you know, maybe I go to the, like I'm in my mid-40s, maybe I go to like the, the U2 concert, arguably the greatest band that God ever assembled, uh, and, and I have an experience. I go to the concert, I sing my songs, where the streets have no name, still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know the songs. We don't have to sing them now. But I leave, and people go, how was the concert? And I go, man, that was an awesome concert. I just experienced something amazing. When we think about experiences, we might think about going to a concert, or maybe you think about going to a sporting event. Where you go to the sporting event and your team wins on a last-second shot, and you're like, ah, and you come home and you're like, man, that was an awesome experience. It's like you go somewhere and something happens to you, and you go, that was fun. And sometimes when we think about experiencing authentic community, we go somewhere and we show up and we go, ah, I don't know. I mean, it was okay. It was okay. When we talk about experiencing authentic community, we're not talking about something that just simply happens to us. Really what we're talking about is cultivating authentic community. Because if you know anything about community, you know that it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. We want it to just happen. But it's like any other good thing in life. It needs to be cultivated and developed. So we want to experience, cultivate authentic community. Community. That word community, uh, like many other Christian words, can sound like soggy bread. And what I mean by that is it is a word and an idea that should pack a punch, but instead it's lost some of its pizzazz through the years. Like we, we use it, but I don't know if we really know what we mean by it. Right? Sometimes you, you find yourself in life using words that other people use. You don't necessarily know what it means, but you hear other people using it, and so you kind of adopt it. Uh, we don't want to do that. We want to have a clarity in what we're talking about. But in the same token, we don't want to simply dissect the word like a surgeon, but have no desire to actually pursue it. Right? So we want to together define what community is, what it looks like, and then we want to pray by, by God's Spirit, that He would help us experience uh, what He commands us uh, to experience. And so we're going to define the word by simply painting a picture from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and ask ourselves, what does this look like? Like when we talk about authentic community, what are the marks of community or church community? Well, we're told in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, It reads, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So there's four marks of church community just in this verse, in verse 42. A community that is devoted 
to the Word. A community is devoted to the Word. It's a community committed uh, to one another. Third, it's a community committed to Christ or communion. And fourth, it is a community uh, committed uh, to prayer. It's a community uh, committed to prayer. So we want to walk through those four uh, this morning. Community devoted to the Word, a community committed to one another, committed to Christ, and committed to prayer. Verse 42 uh, reads, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The early church was a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves uh, to the Word of God. They were a people of the book. One might say that the Spirit of God opened a Christian school uh, on this day. Remember, the Spirit comes at Pentecost. Uh, People are experiencing the power of the Spirit. Uh, People are committed to the apostles' teaching. Um, They're doing life together. They're taking communion together. They're praying together. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We're told that 3,000 people were added uh, to the church uh, that day. Uh, You could say that a spiritual kindergarten class was started and almost immediately uh, it was necessary uh, to, uh, to build out some of those trailers for people to meet in because they didn't have space. That's not in the text. It's not in the Greek, but that's what we do when we run out of space. Right? We, need to, we need to find space to put people. I mean, I can only imagine this problem. Gospel is preached. Spirit of God moves. Thousands of people are a, par- a part of uh, the church. These people were uh, committed to the Word. They studied the Word. They listened to the apostles' teaching. There, there was no hint in the early church community of anti-intellectualism. There wasn't an invitation to set aside the mind and just simply follow your heart. There wasn't a call to just love Jesus and don't get bogged down in all of the details. The arrival of the Spirit at Pentecost was an invitation for the Spirit of truth to engage the heart and the mind in truth. And so the early believers sat at the apostles' feet, hungry to receive uh, the Word of God, hungry to receive instruction. I love what theologian John Stott uh, said when he wrote about uh, this passage. He said, The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit uh, to the Word of God. The people came under uh, the Word. This wasn't simply an exercise from the early church in getting a Bible smart. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had a hunger for the Word. And so when we talk about experiencing authentic community here at Christ Point, uh, what we mean by that in part is that we are a people uh, committed to the Word. Uh, It means that we are a people who should be regular in conversations where we ask people, what is God teaching you in and from His Word? Like It should be normal for a Christian to go, hey, how has God challenged you from His Word recently? How has God encouraged you from His Word? How has God convicted you uh, by His Word? We have these kinds of conversations as the people of God because we are committed to the Word of God. 
Now, we don't do this to strangers. We don't come up to someone and go, hey, I haven't seen you before. Talk to me about the, the kings of the northern kingdom. We don't want to be weird, right? But, like, we're, we're, we're just people of the book. And so we go, hey, if we believe that the word is living and active, and we're in relationship with one another, it seems wholly appropriate for us to come up to one another in context of a conversation and say, hey, what, what is the Lord teaching you? This is, what, this is what he's teaching me. This is what I saw last week. I, didn't, I haven't seen this before. I just, God's opening my eyes. He's challenging me here. I don't know what this means yet, but I'm wrestling through it. Those conversations should be a normal for the people of God. The early church was devoted to uh, the Word of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, boy, I hope no one ever asks me what God is teaching me in His Word because I don't, I don't know it or I'm not in it. I want to be. I, want, I do want to be, but I'm not sure where to go or what to do. But if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Yeah, like everyone starts somewhere. Everyone starts somewhere. Maybe you've started and stopped. Today's a great day to start again. Maybe being in the Word for you is just simply waking up in the morning and looking at your phone and going, hey, it's the, uh, it's the 4th of June today. I'm going to open up my Bible to Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm just going to spend time in Proverbs 4. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that the Spirit of God would open my eyes, teach me, help me to see what I need to see, and then, and then just, just read a chapter. It, it won't take long. But, but it is, it is life-changing. You don't have to teach yourself Greek or Hebrew out of the gate. You, you don't. Just, just open up the Word. If we're preaching through the Gospel of John, go, hey, we just finished John 6. We're going to be in John 7 soon. Like that week, just spend time in John 7. Go, what, what, what do I see? And then come on Sunday morning and go, oh, I, I didn't see that. Or maybe you see something that I don't see. And you come up to me and go, hey, I don't know if you noticed. You didn't mention it, but this is what I saw. Like we're, we're a people of um, the book, so, so start small. And if you haven't started, uh, now is a good day. Now is a good day. These, these people, the early church, they were uh, marked by a love for the apostles' teaching. They were a people of uh, the book. They were also a, a community uh, committed to one another. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, I grew up, grew up in a Baptist church, and so I remember people talking all the time about the fellowship hall. Like, meet in the fellowship hall. I didn't know what that was. It just seemed like activities took place there. Like, people hobnobbed. They shook hands. They drank their coffee. Maybe had a little donut. Like, something's happening in the fellowship hall. And I just kind of thought, well, that's just where we, like, high-five and say hello. And we participate in small talk, which is every introvert's worst nightmare. That's what we did. When Scripture talks about fellowship, it's not talking about a fellowship hall. It's not simply talking about coffee and donuts. There's a word that Scripture uses, and the word is koinonia. A koinonia. Um, people, when, when it says they devoted themselves um, to the fellowship, it means that uh, they had something in common uh, with the Lord and with each other. And then also the word is used, that word koinonia is also used in the context of generosity or to be generous. Right? So when we talk about fellowship or we talk about koinonia as a church, 
what we are referring to is there's something that we share in common with the triune God. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Believers, those who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins, have entered into a relationship with the triune God. And so it comes as no surprise that we as a people, we actually long for relationships because we're created in God's image and we share fellowship, we share something in common with the triune God, with the God who made us. And so Again, when the Bible talks about fellowship or koinonia, it means that we have something in common uh, with one another. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about things that I share in common with other people, what naturally maybe attracts me toward individuals or relationships are times when other people like similar things that I like. Maybe they run in certain circles that I run in. Maybe they like to spend their free time like I like to spend my free time. All good things, but that's not what Scripture is talking about uh, when it talks about what or who we share in common. I don't know if you know this or not. I know I've mentioned it a few times, but I'm from Michigan. I grew up in Metro Detroit. I have all things Michigan in my blood. I am a Michigan Wolverine fan. For instance, hold your applause. Uh, Where I grew up, people in the state who were Michigan Wolverine fans, it was a stereotype, but people said of Michigan Wolverine fans that they were arrogant. The gall. Unbelievable. And I, as a Michigan Wolverine fan, says we are not arrogant. We're just better than everyone. All right, so I try to set them straight. That's like, that stereotype is in my blood. I'm from Metro Detroit, uh, which means that I love the Detroit Lions. I am thoroughly convinced that the Detroit Lions, before Jesus comes back, will win a Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe, or at least they'll go to the playoffs eventually, I think. I am not surprised when I watch a Detroit Red Wing game on television and they make the playoffs. It hasn't happened in a while. They make the playoffs and someone scores and someone from the stands throws an octopus on the ice. Seems strange. Not to me. I know why they do it. It's commonplace. I don't know the cat who brought an octopus into a hockey game. I don't know how he got it in there. I don't know if he had it in his jacket, in his pants. I don't Listen, I don't ask questions. It just makes sense to me because I'm from Metro Detroit. That's just what I do. I am not thrown off when someone tells me that their summer plans are to go up north. I heard it all the time growing up. When people tell me about taking a Michigan turn, I get it. When I ask them where someone is from and they hold out their hand and they point, I don't think that's weird. I think it's helpful. I'm from Michigan. I'm, like, I grew up, I love the Detroit Pistons. I thought Isaiah Thomas should have been on the dream team. I thought Bill Lambeer, the enforcer, was a real sweetheart. Like, I just, I'm from Michigan. So when I meet, listen, when I meet someone from Michigan, there is this part of me where I'm like, oh, they, like, they are kindred spirit. Like, they, they know. I know what they know. They know what I know. Like, we're, we're connected. 
were connected. My Michigan roots shaped me. But listen, they do not define me. They shape me, but they don't define me. Jesus defines me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus defines you. What unites Christians in community is something or someone they hold in common. We are not united by sports teams. We're not united by whether or not we're blue-collar or white-collar. We're not united by our education or our lack thereof. We're not united by political party, however passionate we may be about our political party. We are not united by race or nationality, regardless of how influential that has been in forming and shaping us. We're not uh, united by anything or anyone other than Jesus. It's this New Testament community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and they were devoted to the fellowship which just simply means they were devoted to one another. Koinonia, this word also uh, expresses this sense of generosity. Paul used the word for the collection he was organizing among the Greek churches. Uh, Luke goes on to describe the way in which these first Christians shared their possessions with one another. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. I mean, it's great. Like, you read it, and you're going like, we don't have to do that, do we? I, just, I, just want, I mean, that was cool for back then, but I, you know, I mean, that's not for everyone. I mean, there were, there were clearly people who still owned their homes. There, there were still uh, people in that New Testament community that uh, had means or resources. Um, and so this is, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for the deed for your house. Like, we're, we're not going to, like, bring them together and be like, where do I want to live? We're not doing that. But listen, listen, man, that, like, people saw someone else's problem in the community as their opportunity, right? So, so when, when people were, like, living together and they heard that there was a need or saw that there was a need, there was sacrificial giving. Like, people are going, man, I, I don't know if I have access to that now, but I, I mean, I think I could. I think I could sell something. And that, I mean, that's radical stuff. I mean, it just wasn't, like, my, my mentality sometimes is sort of like, le- like leftover. Like, what do I have leftover? Like, I, I've, got a little, I've got a little play money. And if I got a little leftover, if I got a little play money, and there's a need. But, I mean, like, these people were like, they were in for one another. There, there was like this sense of togetherness. And they were, they were locking arms together. They were going, man, if, if God has blessed me, guess what? I'm blessing you. Like your, your, your problem is my opportunity. And I wonder what it would look like if we, if we as, as a people lived like that. Just, I mean, radical generosity. This community was, was marked by devotion to the apostles' teaching or to the word. Um, th- this community had, had a love for one another, the fellowship, the koinonia, who they had in common, Jesus, in rich generosity. 
Uh, it continues. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It was a community uh, committed to Christ. They were a worshiping community. Uh, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, their fellowship was expressed not only in caring for each other, but in corporate worship. Uh, the way this is written, Luke suggests that the Lord's table, or this breaking of bread, was more than likely a reference to communion, to the Lord's table. People would come together, and they were a people who would remember. Like, they, they didn't want to forget Jesus and the sacrifice that he had made, and so they, they came together on a regular basis, and they celebrated a communion. Their worship was both formal and informal. It was both formal and informal. Apparently, it took place both in the temple courts and in their homes. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't one or the other. It, it wasn't that there was a group of people that were like, man, we like the big gathering. Like we, the, the energy from the crowd and the song. Like we, this is where it's at. But then like check out during the week. Or the flip side of that, there wasn't necessarily a group of people who were like, man, I... Like, I'm the Tuesday Christian. You want to come and hang out with me on Tuesday? I'm available after work, but I, I'm not in the large group thing. I'm not. Like it, was, it, was a, it was a both and. Like, corporate worship, we come together collectively as a people, and we move out in the week, and we, we do life together. We, we look at our calendars and structure it in such a way where we're spending time with, with the people of God. Now, this can be a temptation for us, right? On, on one hand, um, maybe, maybe we're like small group people, we're one-on-one -on -one people, and we're going, hey, the Sunday morning thing, you know, take it or leave it. You know, James is, nah, nah. I could, you know, get, get a podcast during the week. I don't need that. But I, man, my people, I want to see my people during the week. No. No, like we, we come and we gather. The, the flip side of that is, is, Man, if you're here and you come and you receive the word and you respond in praise, but, but then you're just kind of MIA during the week. You like do your own thing, but you're not connected with your church family or the people of God. There's, there's not thoughts of the Lord or what he's doing. Um, we're, we're missing out. And so this, this early church community seemed to do both. They came, they gathered together, they went to the, to the temple, and then they spent time in, in people's homes. Uh, and, they, and they broke bread, and they celebrated uh, communion, and they remembered. And so this, communion, or this community was committed to the word, the apostles' teaching. They were a community committed to one another, uh, to the fellowship. Uh, they were a, a community committed to Christ, to communion. And then lastly, they were a community committed uh, to prayer. They were a community committed uh, to prayer. C prayer was not primarily a creative transition uh, that was used in their services uh, to head smoothly to commercial break. And prayer marked these people. Um, the words just, only, and little did not precede of the word prayer. Just, only, and little were not descriptive words used to describe their prayer. Like, oh, I just, I guess I'll just pray. 
There was not talk of that. Or, hey, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help. I can, I can only pray. No. There wasn't a sense of like, well, I'll just say a little prayer. The God of the universe, the God of the universe invites us, people of God, to come before him. Like, we, we can bend his ear. We have access to him. Like, we, we don't have to, to get on some app and look at his calendar and check for availability. He's available right now. Like, right now. Like, you can come before the God of the universe. And the God of the universe heard prayers and answered prayers. Yes, he changed the person praying. Yes, he changes us when we pray. Guess what? He also hears and answers prayers. He does it all the time. And so these people came, and they would gather together, and they would pray. It's one of the reasons why we, Christ Point, we want to be marked by prayer. It's the reason that that Russ or Anna or Phil or Chris or Billy or myself, that after the worship set, we come and we pray. We're coming before the God of the universe, and we're asking God to move in such a way that he changes us forever. It's a really big deal, and we're desperate. We need help, and so we pray. It's a reason at the end of the message. I'm going to do it this morning in just a few minutes. I'm going to give you time to pray. When we be quiet in the craziness and the busyness of the world, we want to pause and we want to spend time with the Lord. There's, it's the reason why at the end of the service, there's times when we have people from our, our prayer team come up and just go, hey, if there's something that you're celebrating right now or you're praying about or you're in need of prayer for, like, like come pray. We're not trying to manufacture anything. Like, we just assume that we're desperate and we need God to move and act. That we don't have our stuff together. That if he doesn't move and act, we're in a whole heap of trouble. And so we come before him because he hears and he answers our prayers. This, this community was marked by prayer. I wonder, does it, uh, does it mark ours? Does it mark our community? Does it mark uh, your life and my life? Uh, four marks of the early church. They were a community uh, devoted to the word. They were a community committed to one another, to the fellowship. Uh, they were a community committed to Christ, to the table, to communion. And they were a community committed uh, to prayer. I read this and I think to myself, this is, uh, on one hand, it's, it's beautifully simplistic and there are times when it strikes me as borderline, seemingly unimpressive. And what I, what I mean by that is I don't, I don't know if we would go to a church growth conference and hear a successful leader, pastor, author, whatever, Go, hey, here's the secret sauce. Write this down. As a church, you need to be about this. You ready? Write it down. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a game changer. Thank you for your $300 to be here and get in a hotel room. I'm going to tell you, just don't forget it. Just be devoted to the book. 
like love the word of God. Um, be, be committed to the people of God. Like look, look, look around, go, man, these are my people. These are my people. Like I'm invested. I'm not going anywhere. These are my people. And break bread with one another. Like come to the table and go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you that you've changed me, that you're changing me. God, thank you. And pray. Pray. Pray prayers of thanksgiving. Pray prayers of lament. Pray prayers where you, where you ask and you beg and you plead with God. But just those, just those four things. It may seem unimpressive or maybe insignificant at times, but listen uh, to what took place when the people of God did this. This is verse 43 of Acts chapter 2. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Fifteen years ago, maybe 16 years ago, I was at a, a conference and a pastor stood up and he read this passage and, and he just simply asked this question. I've asked it before. I want to ask it again. And the question is this, is what if what happened uh, right here, like happened right here? What if what, if what happened here like happened in you and in me? Um, that would be a beautifully compelling community. That at Christ Point is what we long for and what we desire. It is not easy. Don't mistake good for easy. We're going to talk about the next three weeks. We're going to walk through some one another. Scripture is full of them. And they are not easy. We're going to chase after them together. Let me tell you about three practical ways that we pursue authentic community as a church. Number one, I said this before at the onset of the message, we, we gather uh, together on Sunday morning through, through worship. Like we as the people of God come together. You, I've said this before, we don't, we don't keep attendance here. We don't give out a gold star if you don't miss. We, we never have and we never will. However, don't, like, don't ever stop coming to church. Don't, don't ever stop. You come uh, when you want to come and come when you don't want to come. You come when it's sunny and you come when it's raining. You come when the Panthers are playing and when they are not playing. Like, don't, like, you just come. This is one of the ways that we experience community. We, we worship together. Your presence here might be a significant encouragement to the person standing next to you. 
You may have a 30-second conversation out of this place this morning, and it may change the course of someone's life forever. Your presence here is significant. One of the ways that we pursue community as a church is we gather together on Sunday morning. Secondly, uh, another way to pursue authentic community is to be a part of a group, whether it's a small group, a men's group, a women's group. Um, we, I mean, just full, like full disclosure, I, we live busy lives. We live in suburbia. We got a million things that paint our calendar on a regular basis. And sometimes it's easy for me or for us uh, to kind of come in and go, hey, I'm looking for something on like a Tuesday evening from 8 to 9 when there's a full moon on, on months when there's 31 days. We probably don't, like we, there's other places that probably have that, but, but we don't. And so what I would, what I would ask from you is a couple things, like pray that God continues to grow us, that he sends small group leaders, men's and women's ministry leaders, to, to add to those meeting times that we have. But then I would also encourage you to, to kind of look at what's there and go, I want to I build, I build my, my schedule around this. Like this is going to be important to me. Like, I'm going to, okay, I can, I can meet with the men on uh, Wednesday mornings at 6. I can get out of bed, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my day around that, or, or Thursday night, or I'm going to gather together with the ladies on Thursday. Like, let that sort of be your, your big rock and, and build around it. And we don't always do that, and when I say we, I mean I. Like, I, you know, I like to pursue my stuff, and, and then if there's time. And what I'm suggesting is that we flip the script. And we go, I want this to be most important. And then we make life work around it. Number three, not only do we pursue authentic community by gathering together on Sunday morning, not only do we pursue it by connecting in groups uh, throughout the course of the week, but we also do it uh, through serving on teams. When we serve together, we grow in community. Often it's the people that we spend time with and serve alongside of uh, that we grow in a relationship uh, with them. I'm not suggesting that we receive everything that we need by showing up on Sunday morning and connecting in a team, but the Lord just has a way of doing that, where when we show up and when we rub shoulders with two, three, four, five people and we serve alongside of them, we grow in relationship uh, with them. So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give us a couple minutes to, um, to pray, and I just want you to, this is a question that I oftentimes ask myself when I come to the Word. I've been asking it uh, more and more, but we've opened up the Word. We've heard of the word, and then I'm thinking, like, based on what I've read or heard this morning, what is God calling me to think, to feel, or to do? To think, to feel, or do. Maybe for some of us, this is just a different way of thinking. So in the quietness of this moment, we're just going to go, Lord, thank you for maybe helping me see a little more clearly what I didn't see before. And then is there something that God wants me to, to feel? Like do, I, do I read these passages and go, that is beautiful. And I want that and I long for that. I want to, I want to, God, God is not non-emotive. Like feelings and emotions, they're like, God made that stuff up. And there's times where he just wants us to feel a certain way about him and his people. So maybe this morning for you, you're going, God, help me 
Help me. Help me feel that way about your people. Or is there something that God is calling you to do? Maybe it's you know, showing up on a Wednesday morning with the guys or a Thursday night or, or with, with the ladies, coffee over the summer or an if table in the fall or the pursuit of a small group. What is God calling me to do? I don't, just so full disclosure, I don't know what God is calling you to do. I don't. But I, I want, in quietness, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want us to be still for, for a couple minutes and, and let's go before the Lord and let's have a conversation with him. So please uh, pray with me. God, we love you. Uh, we thank you that uh, you loved us first. Uh, Lord, I, I pray this morning for anyone who is far from you, that you by your spirit would draw them near uh, so that they would be a part of this uh, community that you dreamed up. Uh, Lord, it's, it's from you. It's good. It's beautiful. Uh, at times, it's really difficult, uh, but we, we long for it. We, we want our lives to be marked uh, by your word and a commitment uh, to one another. Uh, we want to be a people who, who remember Jesus, who are marked by Christ. We want to be a people of prayer. We, we want our, our lives to reflect Jesus. Uh, we need your help uh, this morning uh, to do that, and so we ask for it. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to think in such a way where you are glorified. I pray that you would help us to feel in such a way where you are pleased. And I pray that you would help us to move and act in such a way uh, that uh, people clearly see that Jesus uh, is king. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.